was in the profession for 10 years and I really had to ask myself some serious questions like am I going to allow myself to be here in another 10 years time? Welcome to Path to Purpose. I'm your host Jackson. Join me as I interview inspiring individuals to hear how they discovered their purpose and found the courage to pursue it. Today's guest is Nan Vu, an optometrist turned life coach and construction entrepreneur. She has an amazing story of how she finally found the courage to be her authentic self after spending a decade in a profession that she knew wasn't for her. I can't wait for you to hear her story. I grew up in the southwest Sydney um, suburb of Cabramatta. So back in the day in the early 90s, it was really a hotspot for like drugs and, um, you know, gangs and all that stuff. So at the time, it, because it's, it's a bit of an Asian hub, so I think it was just a wave of um, refugees after the, you know, the Vietnam War and all of that stuff. So um, I grew up in Cabramatta. And I was pretty much a very um, quiet child. I was sick a lot, so I didn't spend much time um, doing anything else but staying indoors and um, really just keeping to myself. I, I was also quite a high achiever, so I did really well at school, um, you know, like a straight-A student, except for PE, of course, I was a, like a, more like a B in that, but <laughs> everything else was like, yeah, quite high achieving. And um, yeah, but I spent most of my childhood trying to, I think, feel like I didn't fit in, in mm-hmm. this world somehow. And um, just trying to always figure myself out. Yeah. In high school and, and maybe middle school, were you clear on what your interests were? Did you have an idea of what you wanted to be in the future or were you like most kids and had no idea? Um, you know, growing up, uh, I always had these dreams, like lofty dreams of traveling and I wanted to be a teacher at one point or just like a creative artist because I loved drawing and design. So I, I always thought that that would be like a perfect thing to just draw and paint the rest of my life um yeah and you know at the same time thinking oh maybe I could teach and help people so that that's what I thought I wanted to do during primary school and then in high school I thought that perhaps at one point I wanted to be an architect so it was always like in design where I, I felt I wanted to be um but you know being from a typical Asian household you, you don't go down that path. So. <laughs> so even at an early age, you did feel that expectation and pressure, you would say, from your family and upbringing? Yes, 100%. 100%. Were you able to pursue any of those interests during high school or did you have to already at that point begin compromising? Well, I, I chose subjects during school that allowed me to explore the, um, you know, the artistic side, but I always knew in terms of profession, um, I think the path was laid out that I, I wasn't going to pursue the creative path. My family, we went in, most of us went into health and um, that was the path that was laid out. And, and, and it's not to say that, um, you know, I didn't enjoy it. Like I really enjoyed science and all that sort of stuff as well. But, you know, like 
you can enjoy something, but um, at the same time, you know that there's something just so much bigger for you out there. And um, yeah, I hope that answers the question. It does, yeah. So it sounds like you kind of always knew as a child you were interested in the creative and design side, Mm. and you were able to explore a little of that during your schooling years, but you kind of knew that your professional path was laid out something in the medical field. Yes. So I ended up studying optometry, um, spent four and a half years in uni studying optom, um, graduated with honours, as you do, you know, being a high achiever. (laughs) Um, But uni for me felt I never really enjoyed it to be honest with you. I was thinking about this earlier and, you know, thinking about my, my college or my uni experience and it, was, it wasn't something that I actually enjoyed. It felt like a chore or a drag for me. Um, yet I, I guess I just continued to um, brave it out in a way to just finish it and, and um, yeah, with the... I think open mind that perhaps I'll find something within it along the way that would bring me fulfillment. Yeah. So that brings me to my next question, which is how did you arrive at optometry specifically within medical field? Right. So I didn't want to be a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) And um, at the time, you know, towards the end of high school as we were choosing, you know, what path we wanted to take. My parents suggested that I study pharmacy, which seems to be the second thing after um, medicine, right? And the thing is, my sister was a pharmacist or is a pharmacist. And they said to me, why don't you just follow um, what she does? And then the two of you can open up a business together. And, um, I just didn't want to follow in her footsteps. I really wanted to pursue something that was mine. So at the time I was, you know, I was wearing glasses. I, I had my eyes tested and then, so I just thought, Oh, well, I might as well just give this a crack. And so that's why I chose optometry. (laughs) Yeah. So during college, you said you didn't really enjoy maybe your major and experience overall. Did you still have the ability or opportunity to explore maybe clubs or extracurriculars that were more aligned with your interests? I, I honestly didn't um, because it felt full on as it was uh, to, to study optometry. So I, I never really pursued anything related to my personal interests. It was just head down, um, sorry, bum up sort of in a way. You know, that might be an Aussie sort of uh, slogan, <laughs> you know, um, way to speak, but yeah, it was head down, bum up, do, do the work and um, yeah, just get it done. I mean, there were a few courses along the way during uni because we had to do uh, what they called general education subjects, which was just our ability to just choose whatever subjects we wanted to. So there were, you know, it was sprinkled in there here and there, but it wasn't something that I actively went out to look for. So then after four and a half years of study in optometry, um, what did you go on to do? I spent the next 10 years in, in optometry. I, um, I did leave 
like the local area and I moved further away from home to try and figure out like what I really wanted to do. And, you know, I, at, at the time it just felt like a little bit of an escape from my home life. So I, um, yeah, I, I, I first moved interstate for a few months and then when I returned, I moved out of the area and lived and worked you know, about three hours away from home so that I could try and figure out what I wanted to do with my life. Because within the first week of being in the profession, I already knew back then that this wasn't the life that I wanted to live. So it was trying to, okay, well, I've got this job. It, it, it pays me well. So I've got that financial stability. So let's now figure out what I really want to do. And that, that's what I did after uni. So in the first two weeks of work, you said, or, or first week, um, mm. you said you already knew that you didn't, it wasn't the right profession for you. Yeah. How did you know that? Just waking up in the morning and feeling that it was a drag. Was this a feeling that you had back in college as well as an optometry major? Yes. Yeah, mm. just having that that inner feeling that this I, I'm not happy here, and it, it felt like it felt more like an obligation or a responsibility rather than something that you know got me out of bed and made me feel like alive and and joyful about it. Yeah. So then, over the next ten years in this profession. Did you feel the same every day or were there days where you felt, wow, I, I could do this? Uh, there were a few days here and there where I thought that I could do this. Like there was one point that I felt that, oh, I could even turn this into a business and run my own business, um, you know, in optometry. And that, but with that idea, it was more so to get out of the optometry room and be an entrepreneur and have, you know, explore that side of, of um, I guess, retail optometry and that sort of things. Also, you know, I, I would wake up every day knowing at the same time that I, whatever I was doing, I was having an impact in people's lives. And I think that was the one thing that really kept me going um, year after year was that, you know, I knew that at the end of the day, I was treating someone, helping them clarify their vision, get clarity on it, and um, you know, actually giving them a better quality of life. And that, to me, was, was what continued to drive me all those years. Given that you said you had, it was a, it was a well-paying job in a well-respected profession, pretty stable, and you were helping others. Did you ever feel a sense of guilt? that you weren't happy in this profession? Did you ever tell yourself, you know, you're so fortunate, you should be happy for what you have and et cetera. Did you ever have those feelings? Yeah, all the time, <laughs> all the time. It, the, the thoughts of, you know, you should just be grateful for what you've got. Um, not everyone has the chance to go to uni and, you know, be in this position where you can, you literally have everything that you want. Like after uni, you know, I was able to travel. I was able to buy the car that I wanted. Like I, I, I was given all the opportunities available to me because of this profession. 
And so every day there was this constant mental battle um, between, you know, you should just be grateful, but then at the same time, no, I want something more and I know that there's something bigger out there for me. Yeah. So during this time, were you able to have any time outside of work to pursue side hustles or have free time to do things that uh, you wanted to? Yeah, so, uh, you know, within the first year of, of fin- finishing uni and going into the workforce, I explored being um, like trading the, the stock market, as in like, um, I played around with, you know, foreign exchange and trading Forex, and I actually was pretty good at it at the time. So I did that. I explored like, um, creating a little side business of like arts and crafts stuff. So I would, it would be handmade things that I did and created with a friend, uh, really exploring that. And I also trained to be a florist. So floral design. I, um, yeah, so, you know, I could literally do a whole floral arrangement (laughs) for you. So I, I, I trained to do that as well. Um, yeah, so, you know, I was able to explore other things because I had the, the safety net of, of, of the optometry um, profession and the, the um, I guess, the financial backing there. Like that. So as you were exploring those side passions, like being a florist, um, trading, did any of those ever seem like potential career pivots or were they purely on the side in your free time? The, the trading felt like it could be a career pivot. Like I really went into that thinking that this is the thing that's going to bring me money <laughs> and um, freedom at the same time. So that was definitely one thing. The, even the um, training as a florist, I, I really thought that, you know, I was going to start a business in it um, once I finished the training. But heading towards the end of, you know, finishing up my studies with that, it, it just didn't feel right for me. Like I, I thought the idea of maybe getting up in the morning and, um, you know, going to the markets at 2 or 3 a.m. in the morning to collect flowers was just, it, it didn't sound fun. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I didn't end up pursuing that. Nan had pursued the safe career that her family wanted for her, but despite being financially comfortable in a well-respected profession, she still yearned for something different. Stick around as she shares what finally made her break free and become a construction entrepreneur and eventually life coach. After 10 years of being an optometrist, what was the turning point in your life after those 10 years? The turning point was one, it was coming up to the 10 year mark. Like I knew that I was, um, you know, I, I, I was in the profession for 10 years and I really had to ask myself some serious questions like, am I going to allow myself to be here in another 10 years time? Because, you know, um, people who were very close to me knew that every year um, as it ticked by, I would say, oh, I'm not, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. 
And so um, the question is, was, yeah, do I really want to be here in 10 years time still saying the same thing? I don't want to do this anymore. So that was one big thing coming up to that 10 year milestone. And also um, just in my own personal life, my, you know, um, I had married my, my husband and we had gone through some very challenging times. Uh, he had just overcome and, and, you know, was getting back on his feet and we were getting back on our feet because he had overcome some mental health challenges and, you know, things like um, suicide and things like that. that it, was, it was a really dark phase in our life. And we had just kind of been able to come back from that. And so it was twofold and asking myself, well, what is it that I really want to do? Because after experiencing something like that, you really question, you know, your life yeah. and um, the the value that you have. Like it, we we honestly felt like we were given a second chance at life, and there was absolutely no way that um, myself or my husband we we weren't going to waste another minute, you know, living other people's dreams or. Um, living into their expectations of what they wanted for us. So we, yeah, that's really what made me pivot. It was an, an emotional impact that said, Hey, this it's time. Yeah. There was no more waiting. So you and your husband were going through this very low point in your lives. And then you began asking yourself these hard questions, which kind of caused uh, this change in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Throughout that, did you still have other concerns that are maybe around what are your expectations from your family? Did they expect you to continue in the medical profession? Were, did you have worries about financial stability? How did you overcome that guilt that we talked about earlier of, quote unquote, not being thankful for where you might have been? Did you have these voices? And if so, how did you overcome all of them? I definitely had those voices. They were very, very loud. <laughs> um, however, it was literally, um, you know, please excuse my language right now, but it was literally one of those fuck it moments. <laughs> literally, fuck it, you know. Um, this is my life and I'm going to do it my way. I have no idea what I'm going to do. But, you know, I'm willing to take the chance to find out because what, when, when you experience something like what we would say is, you know, rock bottom, the only way, up, you know, left is to go up. So um, irrespective of whether or not um, I was going to fail or irrespective of what other people were saying of me, I mean, I even had friends who said to me, what a waste of a degree, you know, like, I, I'm like, don't you feel bad that you've just wasted your degree? And I thought to myself, hell no. Um, there's, there's actually not a day that I look back and regret that decision. It was actually the best decision of my life. Like, and, you know, in terms of my family, my parents, I would say, were still a bit concerned. They would voice that, oh, you know, maybe you should just take on 
um, like a part-time job, you know, rather than just quitting completely, just just ease your way out of it and, and see if that helps. So, um, and, you know, to maintain your degree and your skills. And I, I think it really comes down to a decision. Like decision is so important when it comes to, you know, life in general. We, we need to just decide that, hey, I'm, I'm going to put a stake in the ground, that this is what I'm going to do. And I'm just going to forge, um, you know, a new path for myself and just move forward irrespective. And I think that the one thing that perhaps was my, maybe my superpower in the way was that I had my husband with me. Like, you know, because there's going to be some days if, if people are experiencing this, if the listeners here are experiencing this right now, there's going to be some days where, yeah, you, you are going to doubt yourself. You are going to have those voices like ring so loud and you, you might question what the hell you're doing. And so it's important to have at least one person next to you who can champion you you know, on the days where you're, you're not feeling your best or on the days where you doubt and you have fears, um, to surround yourself with, with people like that who are going to lift you up and, and keep you moving. And it may not be, um, you know, your immediate friends and family because a lot of the time they're, they're part of your comfort zone, you know. They, they know you for that particular identity. Like people know... Um, even now, my I've still got family and friends who come to me for optometry advice, you know, five years on, and um, because they that's 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 the person they know. So when you're breaking free of that mold, the people around you they're going to be perhaps a little bit fearful, and so the things that they say to you may not sound very nice. <laughs> but yet they're, they're really coming from a place of love and intention to want to keep you safe, right? So you need to be able to have people who aren't inside that circle or perhaps a, a cohort or a community of people who are actually in it with you who want the same things or valuing the same things as you. And you can then continue to push each other on the days when things just um, you know, you're going to come or I guess experience some challenges and it's important to have that, that network around you. Nan, I think you make a really good point, which is while it's important to maintain an open ear to friends and family, it's also important to grow your support network beyond that because friends and family, they want the best for you, but oftentimes what that looks like is they want to eliminate all possibility of failure from your life. And so for somebody who's trying to make a change, that's not a super helpful perspective because all change comes with risk. Yes. Yeah. You overcame these voices that were skeptical and saying no, and you had that yeah. fuck it moment. And so you left yeah. optometry. What did you go into? Yeah. Um. Initially, three. I, I think I took about three months off. Uh, I was helping, you know, out my parents. My dad had just had open heart surgery, so I I kind of went into just 
tending to stuff at home. And then um, after that, we decided to start a business in the construction industry, my husband and I. How did you guys pick that? So my husband had a bit of a background in it because his dad was um, in the profession. So his dad had suggested to him that perhaps it's, it's something that um, like my husband wanted to pursue on his own. And so we just had a talk about it and we thought, why not? Um, because at the time we obviously needed to find another source of income. And, you know, it, what really excited us was the fact that we were able to create something for ourselves. Yeah. What was the process like of establishing your own business and how long did it take for you two to get back on your feet with, with this business? Mm, we were quite successful within the 12, within 12 months of starting the business. Like we, we, we turned it into a seven figure business within 12 months. So it was quite, um, in terms of that, I guess, monetary success, it was there. So we got up, we, we got back on our feet financially quite quickly. Uh, but in terms of just the whole path of entrepreneurship and running the business, we didn't have a map to follow because uh, to be honest with you, I, obviously I don't think that his dad was ever going to hear this, but we had a model of what didn't work or what we didn't want to do <laughs> in this business. So it was just really trying to figure out what we wanted and, um, I think was honestly like five years on because we we celebrated our fifth year birthday just uh, you know last week. Well, congratulations! Um, thank you. Uh, five years on, I think we're only now starting to have a real business, if that makes sense. <laughs> All the other like everything else was just trial and error, throw spaghetti <laughs> against the wall, see what sticks, and then learn to be agile and and truly pivot. You know. What aspect of construction does this business focus on? So we actually, uh, a niche trade, we do caulking and joint sealing. And what that really means is we go in and we work on um, either the external facade of buildings or internally to fill gaps. So my, our company uses a polyurethane and silicon products to literally fill any holes and create like a final finish for people so that um, it provides structural stability, also aesthetics and all these other things that, you know, you probably want, don't want to get into because it's a bit technical, but um, it is definitely a niche trade within the construction business. As you were making the decision to start a business in construction, did you say to yourself, I want to find per- find my purpose and fulfillment in starting a business in caulking and joint sealing, or was it was it something else about the business that attracted you into it? It was the it was something else, and it was the idea of having um, autonomy and a sense of freedom. The fact that we were able to choose and direct our own path, like there was no one else that we were having to answer to and that we were also able to make our own decisions and, you know, own our mistakes. 
like there was it was no one else but us and so that's what really drew us in um and yeah because i there was no way i was going to go back to a nine to five job and my husband was the same we we couldn't see ourselves doing that and um so it was a matter of just following our curiosity and seeing where it took us so one we wanted to ensure that we had financial stability or um you know and then at the same time build a culture of people where it kind of felt like we were a family um we had the intent to build something like google in a way we mm -hmm. we said that we wanted to be like google not yahoo <laughs> and I, I know, <laughs> you know <laughs> love that um and 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 bring that sort of culture into our business and into you know construction which is like we feel is completely different to how the the whole building and construction industry actually work um yeah so there, there was you know it was sprinkled with things that we really wanted to do and having that flexibility to just try it without having to um you know speak to your senior or speak to your boss like we were the boss so we was like i i get to decide and irrespective of whether or not it works or it doesn't work at least i had that freedom of choice yeah i love that even though it wasn't in a field that you like enjoyed art and design and architecture even though it wasn't in the same space the mm. fact that it had an entrepreneurial nature and would allow you and your husband freedom to control kind of your time your finances and the culture that's plenty to make somebody fulfilled and, and happy would you agree i would 100 percent agree <laughs> so i know you keep yourself busy and this yep. business isn't the only thing you're doing can you talk to <laughs> me about your uh life coaching uh, business and how that got started yeah, so I, I am a life coach and, uh, you know, so while we were building and have been building this other business, our construction business, uh, I've, I've also been pursuing my own personal, you know, path and asking myself the deeper questions about, like, what do I want? Like, if, if, if my husband Nam wasn't in the picture, I, I probably wouldn't be in this construction business, right? Um, so it was like, what what do I really want? Who am I as a person? And it's a path that I've had to go on on my own to, to try and figure out what what brings meaning and purpose to my life. So you know, one thing led to another and uh, life coaching kind of found me rather than the other way around. And the story with that is that I was really in search of um, ways to be grateful because there were moments of time where I, I knew that I was not in a really good headspace and gratitude has always brought me back um, and helped me um, flip the switch, you know, to a positive sort of outlook on life. So I was just Googling about um, gratitude and I stumbled across someone's blog and she spoke about, you know, introducing life coaching. And so um, I followed this life coach 
and then the life coach then spoke about how you know anyone could become a life coach and and it kind of resonated with me because I knew that oh, I've got the um, capacity and the capability to help people so it was just kind of following the breadcrumbs rather than um, me actually actively searching what is my purpose you know or my mission it was more what what am I looking for right now and it was gratitude and yeah so the life coaching space came into my world I didn't even know what a life coach <laughs> was you know I, I honestly had no idea what life coaching was and so it was like oh okay this sounds interesting so it was a matter of just okay well um, let's let's explore this and so again the googling started um, what what is life coaching what can you do with life coaching uh, who can you help you know all that sort of stuff and I just went into this rabbit hole of life coaching and then there was just the decision that oh I, I think I'm going to give this a go just like I gave currency trading a go yeah. and just like I gave you know floral um, arranging a go it was just like oh I'm just going to give myself the permission to explore this and see where it takes me and like when I studied to be a life coach because I actually trained to be a coach there was always the um, intention that I was just going to explore it for my own personal fulfillment it was I didn't put uh, any expectation on it that it was going to become my my life's purpose or my life career you know it was just like oh I'm going to give this a go it sounds like what what I need right now and I'll see where it takes me but along the way, I, I obviously just fell in love with it. And um, yeah, you know, just never look back. So that's, that's me in life coaching. And nowadays I, I help, I've helped people. I help purpose-driven, like, you know, small business entrepreneurs and, you know, ambitious leaders and things like that to really reconnect to their own purpose and refocus their efforts on what really matters to them. So that's where I am with life coaching as well. Yeah. Do you think you'll be focusing more on the life coaching side in the future as opposed to your construction business? Yes, 100%. Um, we're at a position in our construction business now where I no longer need to be in it. Um, and so I, might, I dedicate most of my time to my coaching business now. I still help my husband and support my husband in our other business, but not having to be in the business, but more on a, um, I guess, an eagle eye sort of view where I can fully support him and ensure that he's, he's okay so that then he's able to lead the team and, you know, also be able to check in with the team and make sure that they're growing and they're, they, they feel supported, but I don't actually need to be in the business anymore. I love that. Yeah. And I think your story just goes to show the importance of being open to different experiences and being curious because like you said, you life coaching found you rather than the mm. other way around. So I, I love that part of your story. Um, yeah. Now looking back on the past uh, decade or two, do you regret having studied optometry and having gone through that for 10 years? I have no regrets and the reason for that being is I looking back it was it was 
a piece of the puzzle that actually led me to where I am today. You know, I know that I've, I can look back and go, you know, I, I've literally been working with people's vision my entire life mm. and helping people fulfill their dreams. And, and, you know, it's just in a different sort of using a different vehicle in a way, but the destination has always been the same. So, um, you know, it, it's that classic Steve Jobs sort of quote that says you can only connect the dots looking back. You can't connect it looking forward. So you just have to trust that, you know, whatever it is, it's going to connect along the way. And so I have absolutely no regrets in doing optometry. It built me into the person that I am today. Um, if, I, if, if I regret that, then it means that I regret who I am. And I, I definitely don't regret who I am. I, every day I wake up and I feel so grateful that I, I know who I am now and I embrace all of that. Um, you know, some parts, it ain't that pretty, but anyway, <laughs> um, uh, being able to embrace all of me and, and feeling good about that. Yeah, so absolutely no regrets. Nan, I know that a big philosophy of yours is to be your authentic selves. Why do yeah. you think it's so hard for people in the modern world to, to be their authentic selves? I, I think that we're raised in a society that is um, hyper-connected, you know, through social media and like our phones are connected to our hands. Like it's literally another part of like our, um, you know, our body in a way. And so you're constantly bombarded with messages of a world that promises instant results and everything now and we're sold these messages and promises and we buy into that and it, it doesn't help that you've got people who are deliberately out there um, showing you know that you could have this and that and you should do this and you should do that and subconsciously those messages you know that they actually um, start to trickle in into your mind and so you start to question who you are and the thing is we we don't give ourselves enough time to slow down and turn inwards and I think that really is the key when you're looking to find who you are or and it's not about finding but discovering um, and uncovering who you are because I truly believe that, you know, all our answers are within us. Like our inner journey really holds the key and we just don't allow ourselves that time to slow down. How often are we ever taught to go spend 15 minutes a day where you just sit with yourself? Nan, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story. Where can listeners find out more about you? Uh, the best way to find out more about me is my website. So it's www.nanvu.com.au and that's n-g-a-n-v-u.com.au. Nan's story shows the importance of following your gut and being your authentic self. 
You might be able to live according to others' expectations for a year, five years, or even ten years, but eventually you'll want to be yourself. Fulfillment can also come in different forms. Nan wasn't a fanatic about joint sealing, but she knew that she valued flexibility over her time and decisions, so she was able to find great fulfillment as a business owner. Lastly, stay curious. Nan tried stock trading, handmade products, and floral arrangement during her full-time job. Eventually, she stumbled upon life coaching, which is where she plans to spend the majority of her time. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and review. It helps me reach more listeners looking for inspiration. I would also love to hear what your takeaways were from this story and feature them in a future episode. To do that, or to leave questions or suggestions, you can email me at pathtopurposepodcast@gmail.com. Yeah, it's a tongue twister. Catch you on the next episode.